0: Welcome to episode 104 of the Better Breeders podcast. My name is Ben Life and I'm joined as always uh, in the pantry by the Black Douglas. How are you this evening, Black?
1: Uh, konnichiwa, Ben Life. Uh, is that um, Japanese for hello?
0: Uh, yes, it certainly Spring is. Spring
1: approaches, the the, uh, you know, the cherry blossoms are coming out. And the your cos- language skills are improving. Cosplay outfits are coming out. Oh. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, so I'm speaking Japanese today. Fantastic. Okay. You're always You're bringing right? out a new language for us. It's hard to segue from there, really, isn't it? But
0: well, there's, well, you can always segue to my groin. And so uh, <laughs> this week I'm carrying a bit of an injury, uh, Black. I, as you get older, I find even when you when you bend over to pick up a big pen, you, you sort of tend to do some sort of damage. And just injuries are so, as they're just so commonplace. Doing the most sort of dull and everyday things. I mean, are you, are you carrying any injuries at present?
1: Um. Uh, no, no, not not as such, but do tell me more about your groin strain. It's, it's slightly <laughs> concerning.
0: Well, it is concerning. I felt a, twi- a, a little tweak of it this morning, and um, it's it's nothing too bad, but I'm, I'm a bit concerned about having to seek treatment because um, men hate doctors, um, and we'll do anything not to go to the doctor, though we will complain endlessly about our uh, ailments. But going to see a doctor to treat a groin, um, there's... There's a high level of anxiety around that. You know, you want to know your doctor, but you, you know, you're a bit ticklish. You got to think about the sort of ice breaking jokes while he, uh, presses and prods on, on the most delicate of muscles, the groin. Um, so I'm I'm a bit anxious about, I I hope it goes away. Otherwise I, I will have to, uh, get some, get some treatment and, uh, well, I just don't like going to the doctor. I don't know. Are you a, are you a fan of the, of the medical practice?
1: Um, well, I, I I was a big fan of the Young Doctors. <laughs> oh yeah. Back in the day. Yeah. You know. Um, uh, you know Joe Hasham was on The Young Doctors. Yeah. So, you know.
0: Uh, Kim Ran was yeah. on The Young Doctors. Yeah. Karen Pinney, one of our favourite actresses. Mark Holden. Mark Holden. And was it, it wasn't well, He's our lawyer, isn't he? Yes yeah. he,
1: for, for all our He Wheeling is our dinner. lawyer.
0: Yeah, he is. And um it wasn't I always think it was Alan Alder, it was Alan Dale, I think, who he, of all of them, kind of made it in, in the US and he has uh, done a lot of roles um, and he pops up in the, in the strangest of blockbuster movies, but I just remember it was the young spunk, Dr. Forrest from The Young Doctors. Oh, my God. Yeah, so, so there's that ailment, which I think will be, you know, I think it'll resolve itself and, and i am no doubt will will find myself in an embarrassing situation. There's a, There's another little medical surprise coming for me and as I near my half-century... I'm told that the Australian government sends out a little, little happy birthday on your fiftieth, and that, that tends to be a uh, a self-examination kit. Um, not quite sure. Both you and I are approaching that date.
1: That's the um, that's the the, the colorectal <laughs> Yes, it uh, is. Yeah, yeah. And is there a suppository involved? Look, because I, you I, might as well shove them up your ass for all the good they're going to do your <laughs> suppositories. <laughs>
0: Well, I've got a twelve-year-old son who might have to be my uh, GP when it comes to uh, <laughs> when it comes to uh, the home kit, because uh, yeah, as you hit fifty, I, th- I think it used to be forty-five when you used to get the first internal and examination. And thank goodness for science, they realised that it actually did more damage than good. And you can read that whichever way you want. Uh, you know, the doctor with the glove and, and the KY on the tip. I mean, I don't know what he's feeling around for, but, you know, I mean, when I get dressed in the dark, you know, you know, I always put on my shirt back to front. So I hope (laughs) I I get a better result. Oh dear. It's uh, funny and and terrifying at the same time. Um, But we're not here to talk about medical problems though. We could probably wrap it on all day. Uh, A highlight of my week this week is that Paul Kelly has a new album out, Paul Kelly, the great Australian songwriter. There's been a Mm. number of Paul Kelly's in Australian Mm. history, maybe a journalist, a politician. And, and many others, I'm sure, if you went into the uh, into the White Pages. But he's got a new album out. It's his, it's his first number Paul one Kelly. album. His first number one album. Mm. Um, which after, oh, is it really? Yeah, after about 25 oh. albums. is an incredible uh, feat. And I think, uh, well, I, I know I watched a documentary on him on Netflix the other night. And the one thing that strikes me about Paul Kelly is he uh, he's a storyteller in song. Mm. And uh, I, I think when you listen to his songs, and if I think of my favorite songs, you know, there's Bradman, there's Adelaide. There's that um, from from St Kilda to Kings Cross or the other way around, mm. and uh, you and I have always been fans of storytelling in music. And, and I look, I don't think you can sort of generationally say that it was better than than it is now. But um, I definitely love a well-told tale with hopefully finger clips, finger clicks, and hand snaps, mm. hand claps, and snaps. I mean, do you have a favourite story story and
1: song? Uh, well, Paul. Uh, uh, a lesser-known Paul Kelly song is one he did of the great cricketer called Shane Warne. <laughs> yeah. Who, who was a controversial figure, he not was. only for his um, fantastic uh, bowling skills, but he had a very interesting personal life, didn't he? Paul he uh, did. Shane Warne. He did. He liked to and
0: text message and wear leopard skin underpants.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and have t- t- a creative use of um, prescription drugs on the advice of oh, his mum. Yeah.
0: He was the brilliant thing about Shane Warne is he never looked like an athlete. He never looked fit. But he was a supreme athlete. And, you know, there's. if you go online and look at images of Shane Warne, which I have and I won't tell you why, but you look at it and you, there he is with a cigarette and a beer. And, and I love the idea that an Australian athlete can be at the absolute top of their game um, and still be unfit and, and carrying pub habits. But we're here to talk about Paul Kelly more than Shane Warne. But when, when you mentioned um, this morning that you, or you, you shared a Paul Kelly song about Shane Warne, I went. I looked it up on YouTube, and then on the right there was a recommendation, which yes. is a, a Kevin Bloody Wilson uh, version of the song Shane Warne. Oh, really? Um, yeah, we'd had sort of girls in in lingerie, sort of an addicted to love looking clip. But, but Kevin Bloody Wilson, if you don't know, he's a he's a coarse uh, Australian comic, probably best suited to the uh, you know the, the mining mining towns of Australia. He works yeah, the blue. fly in, fly out. Oh, crowd. yeah, he works yeah, very blue crowd. Um Paul Kelly's Paul Kelly's. Shane Warnode was, was more nuanced mm. And it was and it was far you know, And I think it was more clever um, But then, you know, if I think about it Australia has a long tradition of storytelling in song um, I remember Midnight Oil, growing up talk, Midnight Oil growing up Talking about the bus to Bondi Or being at Midwinyard Station All these sort of landmarks that we used to live mm. You know, in, in, on, a, on a day-to-day basis I was thinking when Cole Chisel wrote about flame trees Were they talking about the, the streets of Tamworth? I'm not quite sure Was there some sort of hidden meaning that I'm not aware of?
1: Well, it was it was, I, I believe Don Catfish Walker mm. wrote that song. Ben, he Life. Did. and he, I remember hearing an interview. He was actually actually about Grafton and the jacarandas, it not was about flame tra- not about flame trees at all. Oh, there you go.
0: Well, bloody hell! Um, I also uh,
1: but jacarandas, you know, wrong number of syllables or something.
0: Exactly. Some sort didn't, of didn't didn't like fit that. in, and I don't
1: think... go to rock songs for your factual information. <laughs> that's the that's the take home message here.
0: I noticed that um, Chisel also wrote one of the, uh, there was that Australian genre of uh, Vietnam songs. So mm. they had K-San. K-San, yeah. That's uh,
1: the which one that springs a, to mind. Well,
0: that closes every night. They used to close every night in the RSL clubs <laughs> of Australia. I remember we were at, um, I remember we were at an RSL club with, with um, a, few, a few mates who were distantly related. I think it was the Foster Tan Curry RSL club. There must have been oh, thousands yes. of people in there. Yeah. They second last song, um, was the, um, Zorba the Greek or something like that. And then, and then it was (laughs) K-San by Cold Chisel. That's the one that sends you (laughs) off with your new acquaintance into the night. K-San. I don't know. There wasn't much dancing going on. It was kind of just like a bit of toe to toe and carefully don't spill your can. Um, so that was another one. But then, cause obviously you had, I was only 19, which was by Red Gun. They told a lot of stories in song, didn't they? Classic. Classic. Um, but then, you know what, then you sort of go randomly. I mean, I'm not sure if it was a, 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 a sign of the times that there was a lot of story in song. Mm. Um, but for some reason, I keep thinking of the Human League song, The Lebanon. And I thought, well, yeah. is it about a restaurant or are they, are they tackling a, the Middle Eastern crisis? And in some ways, while the lyrics were um, a little bit uh, obtuse, they did. They were talking about the struggles of Lebanon. They didn't. Yeah. They didn't manage to get in. You know, busier than a Beirut bricky into their uh, into their lyric. That may not have, um, rhymed or, or found a melodic uh, tempo. Mm. But um, who'd have thought the Human League talking about Lebanon crisis?
1: I know you just don't sort of think of them as a sort of a serious kind of mm. politically commentating kind of outfit, do you? No, but, you know. Writing lyrics is hard I'm ready hard. to be surprised
0: Writing lyrics is hard And I and I was, I was tried a few times and I was absolutely terrible um, But then if you look at You know I was My kids are into the Beatles At the moment So mm. you, you go from um, You know These beautiful love songs To Yellow Submarine And you know Oh Bloody And things like that Which mm. I think was actually a dare To try and get the word bloody On British radio <laughs> At the time um, So I, I think You know In some ways It's easy for us to say That you know Songs were better then Than now um, and, You know And, and there is a whole lot of gumpf on the radio. Mm. Um, but, but it's hip-hop that tells the best stories. You know, I'm a big fan of, of Jay-Z. We were talking earlier. Um, an Empire State of Mind. So the rappers mm. know how to tell a story, which you kind of have to. Um, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. Mm. They, they told a wonderful tale there.
1: Lupe Fiasco talking about, you know, skate harassment. Oh,
0: <laughs> skate Kid harassment. Push. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. And um, I, I, I saw this week an article in the... Um, Maybe it was, in the, uh, it was in the financial review. Just shows how highbrow I am when it comes to reading. Um, and it talks about, they, they got some a, a accountant to analyse rap songs mm. and to find which cars are mentioned most frequently in rap songs. And you'll be, well, you probably won't be surprised to know. But I, I think I, I have a picture in my mind of, the, of an, an actuary sitting down with his suit, probably a uh, yeah. backwards baseball cap on for effect.
1: You just verbalize what we're all thinking when you're <laughs>
0: <laughs> listening to, to, to KPMG rap KPMG guys oh. s-
1: sitting around.
0: Yeah. yeah. They've got a brief. You blokes, I want you to, to analyze these 100 rap songs and tell us which car is mentioned the most. So um, the top 20 songs over the past three years that mentioned these brands or their products. Number one, quite easily, was Rolls-Royce. Yeah. I thought Rolls-Royce was a little bit old-fashioned for the rapper.
1: Yeah, well, I'm just sort of, when you raised that topic, I was thinking of, you know, Sir Mix-A-Lot. Oh. Hey, ladies, ladies, come for a role in my Mercedes. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm.
0: That's a good one.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm, so, Baby's Got Back. Yeah. That's a good one. Because um, I think that reminds me, that probably there's a lot of songs about Bentleys. Bentleys come in um, on that list at number seven. But number two is Ferrari. Number three is Hennessy. This must be luxury brands, and not unless it's a the Hennessy car that I've forgotten about. Yeah. Porsche, Chevrolet, Lamborghini, Bentley, Cadillac, Jordans. so yeah, a shoe, Mercedes, Rolex, and Xanax. Yeah. <laughs> Coming in at number number 20. And I and what a fantastic study. I I, um, I hope they got an Australian Arts Council grant to also do this study um, <laughs> because I'm not quite sure what the well, financial review reader is going to do with it.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, what are you going to do with that, Data? Um,
0: Probably nothing. Um, but anyway, so, anyway, I'd like to hear a song that has features Lamborghini. I think it would be more a rap song than anything else. But, you know, thinking about, about um, growing up, I think the songs I remember most clearly always had a story. The Special's Ghost Town or something like yes. that made me think about, um, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure Coventry wasn't the same as Oxford Street, Sydney. Um, I quite liked, uh, there was a few Billy Bragg songs I used to quite like, not so much the political songs, but the sort of social love tales, um, Mm, the great leap forward, the great leap forward. Um, Mm. and then it reminds me of a song I tried to write about that great, um, North Korean leader, Kim Jong Il. Um, and I thought it was a funny idea that never really, you know, uh, was actualized in song. Terrible lyrics. My lyrics were terrible. Have you ever tried to write songs, Black?
1: Lyrics. Shocking. Yeah. Just... But you know, then, you know, you you, you hear. Um, I think we were discussing uh, some of Van Van Halen's work earlier oh, on. Yeah, Van and um, work. and I sort of have felt be- better about my efforts um, having read some of those lyrics. Yeah,
0: but they made so much money, Van Halen, didn't they? I think that. Um
1: do you have Do you have any Van Halen songs I have, you can and I think, suggest?
0: Why can't this be love? I think this might have been Sammy Hagar. Oh, yeah. Hager. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Sammy Hagar was um was this area after a couple era. of grams of coke. Oh, because David Lee Roth had gone solo and mm. done such quality songs as American, Just a Gigolo, not yeah. American Gigolo, um, and he was completely rubbish as a solo artist. Um, but my favourite line from um, uh, why can't this be love? Is only time will tell if we stand the test of time. And I just thought, were they just, did they have three minutes to go? And they'd I just had to think everything. about
1: that three times again to th- <laughs> think what that meant.
0: I think Eddie had probably done 40 tracks of, of slashing lead guitar. And then they thought, oh, well, you guys might need some lyrics for this song. So then they wrote it. Only fools rush in and only time will tell if we stand the test of time. All I know you've got to run to win and I'll be damned if I'll get hung on the line. So it's clever how they've rhymed line and time. I mean... I hope they're studying that at the HSC this year rather than, um, you know, the Hearts of Darkness or some other text.
1: Well, there's nothing wrong with being successful.
0: No. But, you know, if you compare that to, to the wonderful Jay-Z, Empire State of Mind, a song that I love, he talks about, I used to cop in Harlem, all, my, all of my Dominicos, dominicanos. how do you rap that? I can't even say it. Right up there in Broadway, brought me back to that McDonald's, take it to my stash spot, 560 State Street. Catch me in the kitchen like the Simmons whipping pastry. I thought, well, that, you know, that's that's better than uh, I'm Feeling Sexual, which is a song I hear on the radio all the time, and I uh, have to immediately change channels. But anyway, so, you know, I think if you have a favourite uh, story put to song, send, send it in to us. Yeah, write into us. Yeah, right into us. Right into us. Betterbreeders at gmail.com. Uh, we're also on Twitter, Facebook, on Pinterest, apparently. Mm. I'll, I'll, I'll show you what that are is There are social about. people across that um, Apparently it's growing with males Pinterest is, mm. a, is a major social platform But it's definitely growing with males um, Talking of hip hop I As much as I really you know, I struggled to read the lyrics to a Jay-Z song And I had this uh, Crisis Of confidence as I started to read it Thinking do I put on an American twang Do I try and rap it out Do I just read it like Mm. it's, um, you know, it's a Pam poem? And it makes me think a lot about the Australian adoption of hip-hop, fashion, language and styling, um, which is just completely sort of out of context in this this wide brown land. Have you noticed...
1: Cultural misappropriation, I think, is the... Phrase you're yeah. searching for there Ben life.
0: I, 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 I see people talking, calling each other girlfriend, you know, yeah. and calling people their bae b a e, and I get this if if you. It's when you beyond, said
1: that, I was just making the emoji with the clenched teeth.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I and I and I've always had a problem with the cultural appropriation of hip hop in Australia. Mm. Um, what are your thoughts? The the backwards baseball cap, the the pants showing crack. You know the, the the low down gene. I mean, what is it? Does it have a place?
1: I just think of. Let me put it this way: I was listening to a f- few of my favorite Shannon Knoll tracks this oh, morning. Oh yes, and he just sings. a few of your favorites. There's more yeah, than one. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. His what about version me? of "What About Me"? Oh yeah, yeah. 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 And and drive. That's oh, a great yeah, song. Yeah, drive. And um, you know, I just sort of thought, wouldn't it be great if Knollsy... Knollsy's done rock? Oh, okay. Yeah. So imagine if he did hip hop. Imagine if yeah. he turned around and did hip hop. And I thought, no, that'd be really terrible. <laughs>
0: what if he did? What if he? What if his record company just had the money and said, like, who do you want? Oh, I like Public Enemy. Okay, yeah. we're gonna get Chuck D to guest and spit out a few rhymes. And Nolsey would just be into that. And then there'd be this meeting of...
1: <laughs> with uh, Public Enemy. With
0: Public Enemy. There'd be this meeting of Nolsey and Chuck D and Flavor Flav and Professor Griff and, yeah. and it would be... Uh, Do you think
1: they'd be into it? Would they go for it? I don't think they'd. They probably, I don't think they have been open to the... You know, invited to the opening of a Westfield lately, have they? They'd, <laughs> Not probably, like they'd probably dive on the money.
0: They haven't been arrested outside Crazy Horse in Adelaide recently, <laughs> as I believe Knowlesy was. But he's a country boy, I think, isn't he, in a Ute. So yeah. maybe when they arrive at the airport, Knowlesy would turn up in his in his high lux, you know, and um and uh you know, he he'd take them to the recording studio. I don't know what they'd talk about. You know, they'd wonder what that thing on his chin is, that soul patch that he has. Well it'd
1: probably be a bit a little bit like the conversation between Run D M C and Aerosmith oh. back in the day. Remember Mary Mary? <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Walk this way.
1: <laughs> walk this way.
0: But um yeah, but I I know like I I think were you with me? We saw Public Enemy in Australia once when they first we did. came out. It was phenomenal.
1: It was outrageously good.
0: Yeah, and, and I think they were probably supported by Naughty My Nature that night or something like that. And mm. it was so hip hop and we were all there, but it was a sea of, of, of white suburban kids just nodding their heads and some of them were throwing kind of shapes in the air like you know they'd seen on a naughty naughty by nature video not because of HR naughty by nature and and uh, it was the most confused audience I've ever seen in my life unsure how to act and this is uh, going on 25 years ago I'd say um, mm. and and at the time it was one of the very first hip shops at hip-hop shows that ever made it to Australia mm-hmm. Um And uh, I don't think we've really evolved from that utter confusion. I know there's a big Aussie hip-hop scene um, and a lot of stories going on in those songs. Mm. Um,
1: There is a bit of storytelling. But there's a lot of...
0: They want to sort of adopt the stylings of American hip-hop, the gold chains, except they Mm. have just got one from Paddy's Markets, which is sort of gold-plated plastic or something like that. You know, the the backwards cap. I'm not Mm. sure if we have the reds and the blues, the crips and the bloods. Going on in Australia either,
1: um, yeah. There's not much storytelling to tell, is there? It's sort of like, mm. you know, um, you know, missed, missed out on some specials at you know, Walmart <laughs> during the sales or something like that. <laughs> at Castle Hill, Westfield.
0: Exactly. I always thought that Australia would produce an act like the Beastie Boys. That was kind of mm. brats, you know, singing about you know, uh, having a dispute with your mother. But I don't think uh, we, we never really got that. Hip hop became.
1: Were you very okay much with the Beastie act. Boys?
0: I, I liked that first album because I remember mm. we were both first year at uni when uh, yes. that came out and Fight for Your Right to Party, No Sleep Till Brooklyn, um, Ill Communication, I think it was, just mm. blew our minds, right? Um, and, I, and then they then we saw them play, I think, at the DY Hotel. There's 200 people there. That yeah. was the Paul's Boutique because they went mega, mega successful and then they sort of um, were embarrassed about their earlier work. Mm. And then suddenly they spent the rest of their careers apologizing for being bratty rappers. Mm. Um, so the shows I saw were absolutely fantastic, but I liked them less the more righteous they got. And I think that's a common theme in music as well. Like, you mm. know, they're a better, better hip hop, bratty hip hop act than, than they were friends of the Dalai Lama.
1: It's always, it's always a struggle from the difficult second album onwards, isn't it?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, we never got that far.
1: No.
0: <laughs> we uh yeah, no, we never got to the first album, but um I'm sure we would have struggled. You've had your whole life to write that first album. Um, mm, mm. uh, but the second one, you you know, the record company pressures, all those things that we've you know, we all know so well. They want you to come out with a hit on the same sound as the previous album. Mm. So, you know, I I every day I see the uh, misappropriation of, of hip hop culture, the graffiti, the the fashions. Mm. But it's the language that gets me the most, especially when it's a uh, a privileged white kid from uh, the eastern suburbs talking to me in a in a patois that is un- mm. entirely unfamiliar to the one I think that they adopted over a Sunday roast at home. You know, mm. I don't think it's authentic. Um, and you know, maybe maybe I'm biased. My mum didn't like Americans. I'll put it out there. She never liked. Think or thought much of Americans. She thought they were crass.
1: Well, it's kind of a leftover from the Second World War, isn't it? Oh yeah, they came. In they, there. Were, they were here they stealing stole. our.
0: They stole our ladies, don't you think?
1: I went to, um, uh, my parents spent a lot of money sending me to boarding school, mm. throwing good money after bad. Yeah. And um, and I went to school with a kid from, from Ningen where oh. there was no television coverage, so he was never exposed to um, American accents the way we are with mm. Hogan's Heroes and the yeah. Brady Bunch Yeah, and uh, Gilligan's Island oh, when yeah. we were growing up. Yeah. So he had never heard American accents, what? so his accent was not... So his accent was sort of like the Sullivans, and he used to say things like, <laughs> when he was surprised, he said, stone the flame and crows. <laughs> and he used to say, say it again, Jacko.
0: say it again. That's great. But um, and on, a related on. Top- on a related topic, you know, I think um, there's this one-way traffic of, of, of hip-hop influences being mindlessly adopted. On the other side, there is... Um, uh, Australians who go and live overseas or go abroad for a while um, and suddenly yeah. they have a foreign accent. My belief is if you get to 12 and, you, you, you learn and you're learning your Australian, you're speaking in an Australian uh, accent, you, you can't lose that in six months. I mean, I know mm. there were experiences, you know, there, were, there were times when both you and I had experienced a mate who'd go to London with his dad for a month, would come back speaking like uh, Arthur <laughs> Daly from Minder. Um, or, you know, because that was the, the fashion at the time, you know, he loved all the English music. And uh, you know we wanted to desperately be like those Mm, chaps, mm. Um, but then I look at people like Iggy Azalea, you know, who goes overseas, and she's sixteen when she went to Atlanta, and within a year she had this deep Atlanta accent, Uh, deeply disturbing.
1: Yeah, I I just find that cringeworthy, really. It's
0: cringeworthy. You can't lose your accent. You're stuck with it. Um, and, and I think Australians are all too keen to, to lose their accents. Mm. I did notice Nicole Kidman recently saying she wanted to, uh, she desperately wanted to do comedy and acting uh, with her Australian accent. Um, mm. So, good on her.
1: Well, she should have just not really changed after BMX Bandits, you know, which was her finest early work. Yeah.
0: No, I quite liked in um, Days of Thunder when she was a 21-year-old brain surgeon. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that was probably one of her, her better roles. Um, there's Ricky T popping his head in. Um, but uh, I think that brings us to the end of today's uh, Better Breeders podcast. Um, if you have any comments you'd like to send in, uh, please do. We can be found, um, Better Breeders, uh, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, or betterbreeders at gmail.com. Or you can put quill to paper and send us a handwritten note. Uh, um, so, Black Douglas, uh, any uh, any highlights of the week before we sign off? Anything that's uh, exciting you, uh, confusing you, or, or piquing your curiosity?
1: Um, I can't really. We, we've just exhausted all the great topics of interest, I think, in life, and uh, I, I, have, I have nothing to add, really.
0: Well, I think my highlight was um, I'm a useless cook, and, uh, and by bringing you over to the house tonight, you've cooked the meal. So, my trade-off to the family is: look, I can't cook, but I know a bloke who can, and uh, <laughs> and that was uh, that was the reward for the for the family this evening. So uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, this has been the Retta Breeders Podcast, episode one hundred and four, um, and we'll see you soon. Over and out.
1: Bonsoir.